so co coming back to commons, the, the, the definition of terms, what's, what's commons based peer production and how is that, where does that fit in? How is that different to the, to the commons? Why is it different from peer, just peer production? Um, the, there's a, there's a group of people uh, called the common strategies group. Uh, it's just a very small group. Um, and David Bollier is one and, uh, um, Michelle Bowens at the peer P2P foundation is another person. And they've been working on the writing about commons peer production and the commons movement for over a decade now anyway. Um, and Michelle on his site, um, the P2P Foundation site documents lots of articles about different um, examples of commoning uh, and peer production. Um, so, um, you know, I know WikiHouse. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a whole bunch of um, different um, open source hardware people people working on decentralized types of production that can develop a decentralized, you know, can enable a, a decentralized region of, a, of to be more resilient, more, um, more self-reliant, not necessarily relying so much on world trade and global corporations to provide for local citizens. And these commons peer-to-peer um, -peer, um, solutions are things that he documents both in relationship to the P2P Foundation website, but also in relationship to uh, a blog they do, which is a, a, a very interesting magazine called Commons Transition, um, which has lots of articles written by advocates for this commons economy. So there's a growing commons movement. Um, if you look to Barcelona, for example, where um, Ada Colau um, became the mayor, she was very involved in the stop the evictions movement. Um, she, you know, she led the grassroots movement to stop the evictions of people who, who had mortgage debt and were being evicted by the banks um, after the 2008 crisis. Um, and she got elected a few years ago uh, on the, uh, the Commons Party in Barcelona. She, she became um, a kind of, um, she holds a kind of a coalition government together. And they've been developing, with her as mayor, a, a commons model for Barcelona in relationship to thinking about cooperative energy, thinking about um, common systems for housing, common systems for other shared resources. Um, so, you know, there are a, a number of cities beginning to think, well, hmm, maybe we could go the way that Barcelona is trying to go. Uh, in Bologna, for example, in Italy, um, a, a lawyer there called Christian Ione developed the, uh, the Bologna regulations. The Bologna regulations are a new social contract between citizens or common people of Bologna and the state, because the state, because of the crisis, the welfare state is not able to manage libraries, parks, you know, a whole lot of public amenities that if they're, not looked after will be like in like we've seen here that, that land will be flogged off you know we'll we'll lose the that the, the those common resources will be privatized so the Bologna regulations enable the state the local government that is in this case the state the lowest level one of the lowest levels of, of of the state is local government for them to form a social contract with the citizens and the citizens then agree a deal with the local government in Bologna to manage a park or a square or something like that. So 
it's it's a way of uh, uh, developing commons in the city at the neighborhood level and other levels. So um, I'm, I'm specifically talking about definition. So the commons is going to be a new topic on, on low impact and maybe um, peer production is a new topic as well. And the gift economy is a new topic as well. Or, or do they come under the commons? Do you think? Uh, they're very, they're very closely related. Um, peer to peer to production um, is trying to use um, is, is trying to develop something that actually is about making commons, building commons, co-developing mm -hmm. commons. Um, so it is a very similar. So well, yes, it's, 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 it's the stakeholders. It's the stakeholders who are uh, in the process of commonwealth building. Um, because they're, they're, they're committed to the commons philosophically and practically that's what they want to do. And in, in their peer-to-peer -to -peer to production, um, commons is their is their goal. They're, you know, they're trying to like you know couch surfing or something like that. They're they're trying to kind of Wikipedia. You know, they, they um, uh, Creative Commons licensing. Um, I wanted uh, to talk. I wanted to talk yeah, about that. Yeah, you know, how the they sometimes rather than copyright, they're talking about. Michelle Bowens is arguing for copy left. Yeah, okay, so I think that that should maybe be a different topic. So, on long so the property rights uh, are, you're creating commons property rights. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that's, that's what you're doing. I mean, just, just for example, you know, like uh, in 12, uh, 1215, there was Magna Carta. But two years after that, the Charter King, of the Forest. King John produced had to agree the Charter of the Forest, which created commons rights that still exist in places for you know taking turf, for um, fishing rights in some cases, but also in terms of um, wood access to the forest and things like that, pasture land. Those were common rights. So the you know the medieval commons. Uh, were recognized by the Charter of the Forest. And and that, must, but, that, was, that was peer to peer production um, in, in, the, in the time. So think of that as peer to peer production. Mm -hmm. for, you know. So, what about things like um, maker, maker, maker spaces, the maker movement? Is that commons? Yes, I mean, I suppose it. it it's yeah i mean it depends on i mean there are a lot of maker spaces there are a lot of maker spaces that are privately owned and controlled um so i think if if the workspace is being developed by uh, a cooperative uh then it seems to me that it should have an asset lock um and it should be kind of owned and controlled by the members mm. Um, so that's where I think the cooperative ownership and, and the commons ownership um, can kind of come together in a, in a creative hybrid. Um, fab labs? Yeah, that's the fab labs are, you know, I mean, Michelle Bowens has got um, makerspaces, fab labs. He's got different um, documents on on his website or the or the p2p foundation website okay. there's many different there's thousands of articles about these different um, manifestations of commons peer production okay
Um, what about MOOCs, massive open online courses? Well, um, there's, there's, that's an interesting question, but uh, you know, most of those are run by universities and they use a proprietary system called Canvas, for example. Um, so yeah, you could have a common MOOC, but then you'd have to work on developing the platform for it. Okay. I was just thinking of the fact that they're free. No, it's not just free. I mean, lots of things are free. Uh, um, um, but, you know, think of Google uh, in that sense. Um, it's the whole shared economy um, is deceptive in that it's actually about with Facebook. We've seen with Facebook, you know, the private data and the, and the selling of the private data. You know, yes. but and there but there are some um, in Switzerland. Some of the health cooperatives are uh, are data co-ops. So there are some examples of data co-ops that would be the opposite of um, the Silicon Valley, um, you know, behemoths that we know. <laughs> yeah. you know I mean, going, whole, going, whole gig economy sector. Going um, back to sorry, go on whether it's Uber or B&B, Airbnb, you know, who owns and controls the platform. Yeah, yeah. And, and yeah, and share, sharing economy is a complete misnomer, isn't it? It, it is a misnomer. It, it's been corrupted as a term. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I mean, that's surely, yeah, the ambition is, is sharing. I mean, that's, that's a good thing. But then it's got to be kind of democratically owned and controlled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, going back to what you were just saying about intellectual property rights, um, it, it occurred to me that you, you know, um, Ayn Rand and her book Atlas Shrugged, which is a real favorite of the libertarian right. Um, do you know the story? I've not read the book. You haven't read the book. I know, uh, I, know, I, know, I know about Ayn Rand though. Yeah. 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 She, yeah. So her hero in that book was an industrialist and he came up with a machine that would produce um, endless clean energy for, for the world. And so the government wanted the patent, wanted to take it over and to, so, you know, and, and he said, no, 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 I don't trust the government. I want to, I want to keep control of this machine because I trust myself and the people I work with. And, and they went off into the desert and they started in a new community and, and, uh, away from the, the government, uh, in a completely libertarian community. Because, but of course, if they didn't have intellectual property rights, which are which are enforced by the government, then you know people are going to reverse engineer his machine and they're going to they're going to you know just not steal the patient they patent they're going to they're going to use it they're just going to use that machine. Um, it it seemed to be a con contradiction. He he didn't want the government at all, and yet he still did want intellectual property rights. So it was inconsistent. The whole story was inconsistent for me. Yeah, very interesting. And of course, he wants the courts to enforce those property rights. Exactly. He exactly. wants the police yes. to, to, uh, to capture, the, yeah. cap, capture the thieves and put them in jail and so on and so forth. Yeah. 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 So, I, so intellectual... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just wondering what your position is with intellectual property rights at all, should they exist? Uh... Well, I don't know. I don't. Uh, I think that's a. 
I think it, it, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting question. I mean, in the sense of how, how can musicians earn a living, you know, and people who create things. So I think patents and, um, and those sorts of things, it's what I was saying before. I mean, how do you kind of deal with um, uh, recognizing that people need to make a livelihood? People need a place to live. Um, it's, it's a question of how do you limit those property rights so that they don't become extractive? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think, I think it's like the I and the we. I think, how do we find a system of dynamic property rights that recognize um, individuals' personal need for um, some sort of autonomy, agency, and that, that would also apply to small groups. Um, uh, and those to be protected, but only up to the limits where they're sufficient for the, meeting the needs of those people. Beyond that, when there's surplus property, it's a surplus property that, you know, organizations like uh, Uber, for example, want to create a complete monopoly, you know, mm -hmm. where you think of, well, how, I mean, there's Lyft as well, but there aren't that many com companies that are in that space because they've got their whole, their whole shed ton of money behind them um, is actually trying to create a monopoly where there, there's no other, there's no other provider. Um, so yeah, I think the issue of property rights is that, I think a certain amount of property rights, for example, you look at the community land trust, the community land trust says, okay, you can, you can own the land, but you can own your own home. Uh, or you can set up a housing co-op to lease from the, the land trust. So it recognizes that, you know, people owning their own home, looking after it, painting it, repairing it, you know, that kind of thing for their own personal property. That's okay. That's okay. You know, they're not, they're not, they have enough for themselves and their family. If, you know, owning two or three houses, well, then you're into the landlord game, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, how do you actually create the right balance between um, sufficient property, pr uh, private property, which is non-extractive, uh, and, and, and commonwealth that is beyond that? Or for that matter, um, st state ownership of certain resources, that could be managed like a commons. Yeah. So for example, um, the National Health Service could not have come into existence after the Second World War if for the previous century before that, trade unionists had not developed with others 23,000 friendly societies that were providing health care. You mentioned yeah. this before, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's really yeah. interesting. So the, whole, the whole foundation of the NHS couldn't have happened without the struggle of working people to actually provide health services, you know, and hire their own doctors and things like that um, because they, you know, they couldn't afford, um, you know, the prices in the open market. So right. they had a mutual aid solution. Uh, could you just say something about the benefits of the commons? Well, the benefits of the commons are, um, you know, what we take for granted, you know, you know, when we actually had, I mean, there's so many, so many things that we're losing, you know, that that grew out of um, common struggles to create something that was a universal good. Like, for example, education was you know was non-private until recently. Now the private mar markets crept in everywhere. Higher education, lower education. Um, we're losing the health service by a series of privatization moves that are happening. You know, just 
organically evolving and happening. Look at the, look, and then look at the situation with public services. Look at Carilion. Look at the state of the um, of the uh, of the social care system. Um, so there is an important, I think, uh, contract, and this is where the Bologna regulations to me are interesting, that we can develop a, a contract between citizens and the state in a, a, a basically a public cooperative partnership. That would be quite interesting. Uh, well, we're trying, it could have been in some said tonight, well, why do we have to tell these, these friendly societies, you don't, we don't need you anymore. Why couldn't the cooperatives and the state work out a social contract to co-manage the health service in a distributed yeah. way? Yeah. Um, now, I think that would actually help us decentralize, distribute, and democratize, yeah. but actually not, not realize that we need a safety net, which the state can provide. Um, and so that's a different argument, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not a public-private partnership. We know where the libertarian right has, got, has been going with that one for the last 30, 30 plus years. But actually, where is the economic democracy alternative on the left? It's not articulated well enough, but I think commons thinking, co-op thinking more deeply, rethinking the welfare state and how we can actually find an alliance between trade unions, co-ops, local government, the public, um, it's, it would be a new form of, of, of economic democracy, a new form of much more deeply democratic socialism. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's um, again, <laughs> I mean, I had, a, I had a conversation with four ex-city traders recently and they're libertarian right and um you know I said, I said to them you know you don't want to be told what to do by government bureaucrats or the state and they said no i said well why don't you take it a step further why why are you happy to be told what to do by capitalist bosses why is that okay but being told what to do by state bureaucrats is not okay why don't you take it a step further and say i don't want to be told what to do by anybody why don't you have economic democracy and decentralization, as well as you know, freedom from the state. Why, why not freedom from, from capitalist bosses? And they, they sort of agreed, and they said, ooh, you know, you're, you're straying close to anarchism there. It's like, well, you know, you can use the word if you like, but let's just talk about a, a cooperative, non-extractive economy. What's wrong with that? And they were quite, they were quite open to the idea. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's something that, well, I've said this before. I don't think something that necessarily um, will scare the right. I mean, as soon as you use the word socialism, you will scare the right. But if you talk about freedom from, you know, being told what to do by state power or, or, or corporate power, which in, in this day and age is very, very closely knit together, um, then, you know, we can actually bring a lot of people on board with the idea that, traditionally have not been on board with the idea, but I think that we can. I don't think there's much there to scare them. Mm. Well, I th I, yeah, I don't know. It, it depends on, yeah, I mean, there, there, is, there is a narrative to be forged, uh, and that's, that's our problem. We need a common narrative mm. that um, you know, brings people um, to support um, you know, an alternative, a plan C, a plan, a, a commons plan, if you like, mm, mm. or a, a commons cooperative plan. You know? Yeah, we're all in this together. 
C squared or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that that's missing, I think, because I think the co the co-op the co-op movement um, seems to re rediscover cooperative commonwealth when times get really hard. So, for yeah. example, in the eighteen nineties, there was a lot of discussion of cooperative commonwealth. You looked at the trade union banners then around nineteen hundred, all had you know cooperative commonwealth on it. You know they all had this kind of vision. William Morris talked about these kind of ideas. That was rich until about the, you know the late 1920s. It was quite a rich kind of vision. Then it, it disappears um, with you know the welfare state and this you know the state market alliance post World War II. But then in the 60s and the 70s, uh, the, the common ownership movement for worker co-ops all over the world: Italy, um, Spain, uh, USA, Canada. So when I was talking to you about the the you know the support by Tony Benn for the you know, economic democracy, industrial common ownership, that spread all over the place. And there was then, in the, in the, until the miners' strike, there was a lot of interest in cooperative commonwealth. You know, there were a lot of discussions about it, but then people forgot about it. And then now, it, now it's being picked up again. So it kind of comes round again. But if, if, if the early co-op founders, the pioneers like William Thompson, for example, were saying, how do we actually take land, people, and money out of the market? Those are three cardinal questions um, to actually establish economic democracy on solid foundations. Um, and we only think about the co-op business in isolation and ignore the money question, ignore the land question, in, in, or, in, in order the commons question. No wonder the kind of co-op movement is firing on one cylinder. Because it actually has, it's forgot, it's, it's forgot its history. It's forgot um, the fact that we've been here before. How do, um, we, how do we knit these things together? I mean, for example, we, you've got organizations like the Ecological Land Co-op who are addressing the land problem. And al although they're small, their idea is brilliant. And I, mean, I know there's the Scottish Farm Lands Trust, which is starting in Scotland now, which is doing the same thing. Yeah. So they have the right idea. And then there are people working in mutual credit, which I think is the best attempt to democratize money the exchange system exchange system um and you know and there's the, the cooperative movement and i i like to involve uh you know sole traders in this as well they are one person democratic institutions and so there and that's where the, the real growth in, in jobs is nowadays isn't it it's in the small business sector and the, the sole trader sector and that includes co-ops and so so how do we knit all this together to create a movement <clears throat> well, uh, that, that's, I mean, there are people working on that. I mean, that's what the New Economic Coalition in the United States is pursuing. The Democracy Collaborative of the States is doing a lot of work on policy for um, uh, building commonwealth, um, building community commonwealth is sometimes talk, talk about. Um, we don't have anything quite like that here yet, although there are strands actually converging. So the control shift is a step in that direction. Um, open democracy has got a dialogue going on about um, about you know what would the, what would what would a good future for the UK look like? And there's a lot, lot of interesting articles that they post on. Well, you know this would be a, this would this would be a, a new approach to democratic energy. This would be a new approach to um, housing. You know, so so there's lots of elements in, in the UK uh, happening that are that are at the moment fragmented. Um, and they do need to find um, common ground.
So I, I think both the solidarity economy ideas and the commons work that um, people like David Bollier and the common strategies group are, are advancing, um, those, are, those, those can help us kind of create glue um, to build um, an alliance of, of fellow travelers who are doing, who are basically walking the talk, but at the moment they're doing it in isolation and they, they haven't actually, um, there's no horizontal kind of connectivity to um, these different um, change agents who are, uh, are, are building a new economy. Um, but, the, it, you know, setting up community land trusts or setting up worker co-ops or setting up ecological land co-ops, those are also challenging in their own right that actually you don't have time to think about much else, um, but uh, you should do, should do. What, I, think co I think cooperative commons education is a key thing. Um, the whole movement to create the welfare state was actually advanced through the Worker Education Association, advancing, um, you know, uh, FE, basically, further education courses, um, you know, as lifelong learning. They were, you know, trade unions and co-ops, uh, local authorities were, were supporting the Worker Education Association to advance uh, new economy solutions. You know, so we, and there is actually some work going on. The Cooperative College has been working on the idea of a cooperative university with a number of um, worker education uh, and smaller colleges uh, who are being threatened by, you know, the kind of the high fees in the universities um, to create um, a kind of distributed cooperative university. So there is work yeah, there, going on, on that. I know on, there was, there, there, there's fantastic work going on. I mean, I talk, I talk to people who are working in this new economy all the time. There's fantastic work going on. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I suppose I'm looking for the catalyst to, to knit them all together to, to build a, a more effective movement that can take market share. I thought that mutual credit might be key. I thought that might be a key, a key, a key component. Yeah. Uh, and I still do. I still do, obviously. Yeah, I think, I, I, I think that's uh, it. It is a it is a very important part of the jigsaw. You're absolutely right. I think also, but I I, I don't think it's sufficient, in the sense that, um, it 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 tries to provide liquidity for businesses in a, in an interest free way, and that's really a key missing link. Um, but it doesn't necessarily provide all the kind of financial services that one needs to build a, a kind of a, a democratic finance system. And I think that, that we need to find a way of connecting, for example, um, the work on credit unions, um, community development finance, mutual credit, um, these new public banks that people are working on, regional co-op banks that are being worked on, we need to find a way of actually bringing them together um, because they're all part of the answer, um, but brought together actually they could provide a much more powerful set of tools um, than just mutual credit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it'd be interesting to talk talking more about that at some point. So people who are listening to this or they read about the commons and they, they start to, to, to understand the commons, um, what, what can they do? If they want to sort of join in and help build the commons and get involved, what can they do? Um, well, 
Hmm, that's a good question. We don't have a commons movement in this country. Okay, in other countries, uh, for example, in Greece, um, as I said, in, in, in Catalonia, there's a kind of, a, there is an emergence of a commons movement. So, and it's quite closely allied in many countries with the solidarity economy movement. So, in, for example, in the Greek crisis, um, a, a few years back, um, they would have commons festivals every year. They, they started in Crete, a couple in Crete, then they had, I went to the one in Athens, which is a big festival that brought people together. Um, to play music together, to listen to talks together, to actually have a kind of a, a teach-in um, and, you know, to share food and whatever. And that still happens in Greece. Uh, so, you know, they, they've established a kind of a grassroots movement for the solidarity economy and the commons. Uh, and you see that also, like, in Portugal emerging as well. So in, in Southern European countries where, you know, the unemployment of, of people has been a lot higher than here, you know, with youth unemployment of 50% um, post-2008 in a lot of those Mediterranean countries. Um, that kind of jobs crisis, that breakdown of the system, um, drove a lot of people to kind of come together in a way that in this country, we haven't actually established that kind of solidarity yet. So there's still the sharp elbows quite a bit when you, said there's um, a, when you say in greece there's a commons movement and a solidarity economy movement what exactly is the difference between the commons movement and the solidarity economy movement yeah well they they do overlap they do overlap they're part of a new economy um mentality um and that's fine i mean that, that's fine so solidarity economy is developing social cooperatives for example for care for green energy and the commons movement is working on, um, you know, maker spaces and peer-to-peer -peer production and copy, copy left ideas. I mean, you know, they can come together, the free software, they can come together and have conversations and compare notes and kind of mm -hmm. learn from each other. That's fine. I still, that, I still like the, um, I still like the name of the new economy and people say, and if people say, you know, what's new about it, say it's, it's democratic and non-extractive and that's it. It's really simple. And there are so many ways that it can be democratic and non-extractive. It's, it seems to be a good umbrella term and people understand, you know, it's a new economy. Well, I work for the, I've been involved with new economics foundation. I'm a fellow there. Um, since the, since the since it was really set up in the late 80s and i've i've always been perplexed about the new economy i mean because it doesn't tell me anything and when it, you know in fact it was new economy was used by by tony blair to promote the third yeah. way yeah 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 uh so it's it's not it's not neutral at all it's yeah, quite loaded. yeah 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 what about, about non-extractive economy that's why I prefer, you know, reclaiming the, 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 the cooperative Commonwealth tradition, promoting that because okay. it's coming round again. And, 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 and co-ops uh, that don't, you know, kind of dig deeper into their history and their tradition and how things, you know, why is it the co-op movement is, is now only 2% of GDP when, you know, in Italy, it's 10% of GDP. It's much bigger in Italy. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, why is it that we've got 500 worker co-ops in Italy, there's 23,000 worker co-ops and multi-stakeholder social co-ops, you know, employ, you know, ha almost a million jobs in, in, in those co-ops in Italy. 
Because so it comes in, because so it comes in they, developed, they developed the solidarity economy in Italy um, since the late 1970s. They put, they put in place the laws for worker co-ops, for social co-ops. They put in place the financing system. They put in place the education. They've done a lot more to make the economic democracy movement much more evident in, in not all of Italy, but certainly, you know, in many, many parts of, of Italy, it's, it's quite clear that the co-ops have got a very big share of, of what's happening locally in the region. Yeah, you said economic dom democracy, maybe that's, maybe that's, you know, the democratic economy, maybe that's an obvious label. Um, but, um, you know, you said the, the, the co-ops, the co-op movement sort of comes and goes and you think it's coming back at the moment, uh, then what's to stop it going again? How can we keep it growing so it really sort of, you know, basically takes over? <clears throat> well, I think certainly that's what's um, being pursued and which I find interesting about the U.S. work is that there's the New Economics Coalition has been focusing quite a lot on how to develop economic democracy solutions. So, for example, to take back um, the electricity grid from private ownership and to bring it into at least public ownership again, if not um, some sort of commons ownership, to um, set up in cities like New York and you know many, many, there's like 10 cities where local authorities are looking at how they can actually support the development of worker co-ops um, and end up some other places, multi-stakeholder co-ops. So public social partnerships are emerging um, in different cities. New York City is a good example uh, where the mayor, Mayor Blasio, is under pressure from an organized new uh, cooperative economics alliance um, in New York City, has set up um, a, a worker co-op development fund, you know, and, and has put in several million dollars into that fund to help worker cooperatives develop. So, yeah, okay, early days, but it's good beginnings. Um, we've been here before. I mean, this isn't, you know, this, this did happen um, in the 70s and the 80s in this country, um, but we've forgotten about that. We, we need to do, we need to put up, put together an ecosystem of support. We need public policy to support um, these, these economic democracy solutions. So Preston, for example, is interesting in the way that um, the leader there, Matthew Brown, is um, trying to promote the local economy through procurement, you know, and through support for um, things that could be made locally and provided locally. So actually, it's really worked. It's really worked, hasn't it? It's, a fantastic yeah, it's making making a difference, and now looking much more into advancing cooperatives that actually are involved with the trade union union co-op ideas uh, are being put be being considered now in Preston and ways to kind of advance that. So, but we need more local authorities to kind of be looking, looking at what Preston's doing and, um, and pursuing, and pursuing um, similar economic democracy solutions. Mm -hmm. We can't ignore the state. We can't ignore politicians. We, we, we do need to get uh, policy and political buy-in. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's so important.